of something that someone has internally resolved. But in a culture and a society that is so self-centered, right, and, and, and individualistic, something that we praise as individualism, I'm afraid that we, we kind of misunderstand baptism. Baptism isn't simply an individual decision that publicly professes individual faith. It's actually something that's so much greater. It's a communal thing. It's something that we get to be part of as, as a local body of believers in Christ. So today, as we look at Nehemiah 11, I'm going to try to set up a, a fuller understanding for us of what baptism is. So we're going to read verses 1 through 2 of Nehemiah chapter 11. It says, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring out uh, one out of every ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. All right, if you read ahead, or at least look ahead, you're going to see that what we have is another chapter of a long list of names. And I know what you're thinking. We're going to read, we're not, okay? I'm going to spare you that today. We did that all last week. We're not going to read all of those names. But, but I kind of want to make sure we understand what's happening in the book of Nehemiah right now. The walls have been built, right? That happened in chapters 1 through 6. We've seen the last two weeks as a church that not just the walls have been built, but the people have been rebuilt. They've recommitted to the covenant. They've recommitted to relationship with God and following God. But what happens here is that the city of Jerusalem is unpopulated. We have to remember, y'all, that the building of Jerusalem was more than just a construction project, right? We've said it since the beginning that the city of Jerusalem was to be a reflection of who God is. And for the city to reflect God, it has to be populated. It has enough, have enough people that it functions as a true reflection of the community that God intended it to be. But what happens here in Nehemiah chapter 11 is that there's not enough people to populate it. So one out of every ten chooses to sacrifice their own individual wills in order to support the will of God. One out of every ten, and if you see in verse 2, 90% of them end up commending them and supporting them and backing them in that decision to repopulate the city of Jerusalem. And the rest of Nehemiah chapter 11 lists by name every single one of the individuals that made the bold decision to stand up and say, I'm willing, I'm willing to, to be in to the purposes of God. I'm willing to sacrifice my own individual desires, my own individual comforts in order to join God in the work that he's doing. As we've slowly worked through Ezra and Nehemiah, how many of you have thought, why are these names even in here? Right, you come across chapters of Scripture that, that are just full of individual names. Have you, have you wondered why that's relevant for us today? Like 2,000, more than 2,000 years removed from our text today, why do we, as CBC Richmond Hill, like why do we need to know the names of these individuals? Well, church, the answer to that question is, is fairly simple. God's trying to show that every individual matters, that these are real people who gave up real comforts in order to join the very real purposes of God. Each and every believer in God serves a unique purpose for the building up of his purposes. And the reason that all these names are in here, y'all, is, is to communicate that each individual matters. So today, we're going to celebrate eight individuals who have made similar decisions where they've set aside their individual wills in order to join the global and more, more congruent right, purposes of God. Sean Sargent, and Kate and Layla and McKenna Becker, and, and Kyle Kaufman, and Claire Rook, and Madeline Moore, and Anthony Andrews. These are all names that are significant for this body of Christ. That we, 
as the community should be the 90% of Nehemiah chapter 11. That we should be commending and supporting these eight individuals who are saying yes to the purposes of God and sacrificing their own individual comforts. And, and, and y'all, so we're going to ask you that when they're baptized, we're going to ask you to stand, we're going to ask you to clap, we're going to ask you to celebrate. But I'm going to ask you something further because following Christ, right, is, is not just a decision you make today. These eight are actually saying, I want to live under the allegiance of Jesus Christ for the remainder of my days. And y'all, if you've been walking with Jesus for any time, you know hard times are coming. You know that you're going to slip, there's going to be stumbles, and the purpose of the church is to be members one of another so that when those slips, when those stumbles, when those doubts, when those tough times come, that we are the 90% left saying we support you, we commend you, we're going to build you up, we're going to hold you accountable. So that's what we're going to be celebrating today. So if you'll give me like 10 minutes just to explain from the scriptures what baptism is, we'll kind of get on with our baptism services. All right, the first thing I want to say is that baptism is an individual decision that is publicly professing something that they've internally resolved. And that internal resolution is a statement to say, I am in Christ. Go ahead and repeat that for me. So you, I know you're awake, right? Say, in Christ. That's the decision that someone who's being baptized is making to say, I am now in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 3 says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? When we understand baptism, we need to know this is of first importance. It's a decision to say, I am going to be associated in the life of Christ. So when someone goes underneath the water of baptism, they're saying, I am with him in his death. When someone comes out of the water, they're saying, I am with him in his resurrected life. And when they step down those steps after being in that water, they're saying, for the rest of my days, I am living now in Christ. No longer in myself. No longer under the allegiance of myself. I am living for him, with him, in him. That's the first statement you're going to make. So when they come up here, you're going to see that we have t-shirts for them. And on those t-shirts, the thing that's going to say is, I'm in. And that's what they're declaring. They're saying, I am now in Christ. But by saying, I am now in Christ, right, each of these people being baptized is also saying, I am now out of something else. I have left something that is old, and I have now stepped into something that is new. And usually what that is, is I'm stepping away from my own sinful desires. I used to live under the allegiance to myself, but I'm walking away from that. I'm out of that life, and now I'm living in Christ from here on out. Before, people tend to be identified by our sin. But now, saying that they're in, they're saying, now I'm identified under the grace of God. Church, this is what Jesus does, right? Like, Jesus takes you from being out, being under the influence of yourself, your sin, your own pride, whatever it is. It takes us out of something and it puts us in something. He makes things new. I've said this before. I don't remember when because I'm terrible at timelines, probably a year ago. But my little brother, he's seven years younger than me. And probably he was a senior in high school. We were on the mission field, and, and he was on fire for the Lord. Like, newfound believer, like probably driving the speed limit type of new believer. You know, like, just on fire. I'll do everything you ask me to do, Lord. So he texted me while we were overseas, and he said, hey, who do people say that Christ is? And I thought he was referencing Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and he asked his disciples, hey, who do you say that I am? So I responded the way the disciples did. Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some say a prophet of old. And he sent back to me just, just one name. He said, no, man, he is 
Optimus Prime. Do you know who that is? Right, he's a transformer. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, Jesus Christ is the ultimate transformer. He, he took my lust and he's given me purity. He said he's my, taken my anger and he's given me peace. He took what was lost and he's made it found. He takes what is blind and he makes you see. He takes what is dead and he makes it alive. Y'all, that is the business that Jesus Christ is about. He takes what is old and he makes it new. And I thought that was an incredible statement that he made. He's the ultimate transformer. He's Optimus Prime. That's what God does. So these people who are saying, I am now out of something are saying, I've met him. I've met the ultimate transformer. He's taken something that was old and he's making all things new. So this baptism is saying we are in Christ. We are out of the old. We are in with the new. All right, so normally any discussion on baptism would end there, right? We all think, yeah, that's, that's an individual decision. Like we, we get it. That's what baptism is. But church, if you stop there, we're actually not walking in the fullness of what scripture teaches about baptism. Let me read from you 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is verse 12. Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized, listen to this, into one body. Did y'all hear that? So Galatians says we're baptized into Christ. That's right, I'm in Christ. But Paul also says being baptized, you're also baptized into a collective community called the church. So by saying they're in, they're also saying I'm in the church. The the invisible global church, yes, but also the visible local congregation of church. They're saying I am now in the church. Y'all, for centuries of church history, baptism has been the rite of passage into the acceptance of the church. So, so by rite of passage, what I mean is, is a particular event, a day on a calendar, something that marks I am now in a, a particular community. So I, in 2007, I worked for the University of Georgia football team. And uh, as a freshman, myself included, they had a rite of passage. All freshmen had to have their hair cut by a senior of the team. And y'all, it was humiliating. Because you had to wear this haircut into class your first week of class and, and around campus your first week of campus. And they weren't kind, right? The haircuts that I got, like it, it was the fryer tuck. I don't know what else to call it. Or maybe the baby when you're, the baby infant is like born with a lot of hair, but you lose it up top. So all you have is like the ring around the back, you know? They cut my hair that way. In my first week of classes at University of Georgia, I had to walk into class like this. And y'all, it was so humiliating. But you know, it was also kind of special, because you would see other people with their haircuts and, and everybody would comment on the haircut because it was signifying in this humiliating, you know, totally degrading rite of passage that I was actually a part of something bigger than myself. For the church, baptism has always been that. Baptism has been a statement, a, a, day, on, a day on a calendar, a marked event to say, I am now in a community that is bigger than myself, living for a purpose that is bigger than myself. So church, there's a command for us as the greater body that when these individuals who are making individual decisions need our support, need our encouragement, need our challenge, need whatever it looks like, that they are now in a community that's saying, yeah, I've got you. I'll help you walk this thing out because you know from experience, if you've been walking with Jesus, it's, it's, it's not easy. right? So often we convince ourselves that walking with Jesus, now that we have Jesus, everything's great. It's Willy Wonka, it's golden tickets, everything's going to be fantastic in my life. But the reality is it, it may actually go the other way. 
Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to die, that there's going to be a massive cost in following. So church, our collective responsibility as a congregation is to stand behind these eight and say, when that time comes, not if, but when that time comes, we're going to walk with you through this. So it's a rite of passage into the global church. So that's what they're saying. These shirts say, I'm in. And that's what I want you to think. They're saying, I am in Christ. And they're also saying, I am now in the invisible global church. But they're also saying, I'm in the visible, very much local church. So to Sean, Kate, Layla, McKenna, Kyle, Claire, Maddie, Anthony, we just want to say as a church that we love you, that, that we're proud of you. We thank you for demonstrating the gospel for us today. So if you're being baptized, I'm going to pray, and then whenever I pray for us, Coleman will come up and lead us through this baptism service. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful for the truth of Scripture that baptism is such a, a, a strong statement of the good news of Jesus Christ. As we've saw, seen over the last several weeks through Nehemiah, we, we get a picture of who you are, and these eight are saying they, they see that now, that you are a God always willing to forgive, gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. And in light of who you are, they're saying they want to follow you. They want to live for you. They, they're thankful for the grace that has been manifested in their lives to take them out of darkness into light, to take them from old into new, from death into life. God, I pray that as we get to demonstrate the gospel through baptism today, that you would continue to raise up your people in the experience of new life. Lord, thank you for the chance that we have to celebrate this morning with these eight. I pray that you would manifest your grace in such a strong, tangible way for them today, but also tomorrow as they live out this faith that they have found in you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.